discuss this issue. And um, Father, I pray um, tonight, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, you'd be glorified through this time. I pray that you'd be glorified through your word and your truth. And Father, I pray that um, these words would not be mine, but they would be yours. Um, Father, I pr pray that they would penetrate the hearts of all of us in this room. And um, yeah, Lord, thank you for the experiences that you've you've brought some of us in and um, allowed some of us to go through in order to be able to bring forth your word and your truth. And um, so, yeah, I lift that up to you tonight, and I lift up these students in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, Martin Luther King, um, we, all, we all know the I Have a Dream speech, right? Um, he is quoted, it's one of my favorite quotes, it says, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Um, pretty, pretty cool statement, right? Pretty cool speech if you listen to it. Um, well, I have a dream too. Um, I wrote this down. I have a dream that one day all Christians will rise up and live out the biblical definition of love. A love that is lived out through action. A love that doesn't judge people because of their struggle with sin. But they see people for who they truly are. People made in God's image. Um, this, this dream of mine well, was in a challenge when I was at the Cannecook Institute. And um, I got to listen to this guy come in from Focus on the Family. Uh, Mike Haley is his name if you guys ever want to check him out. Um, but he was a practicing homosexual for 13 years. Until he, he finally gave his life to Christ. And um, he got married. Um, has kids now. And it was just cool to hear his story. Um, but something that stood out at the very end of our series with him. And as I got to know him um, through the next four days that we had with him, he challenged my class with this statement. He said, I hope all of you get the opportunity to befriend someone struggling with homosexuality. And uh, he's like, how many of you in this room want that? And there really wasn't. I don't remember any hands going up. It was kind of like... All right. He goes, well, that's my prayer for all of you guys. Um, so it began. I was in Branson, Missouri a couple weeks later. And um, I was in uh, Starbucks. I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, so I had a little muffin and some water, just for clarification. And um, I was reading my Bible. And as I'm reading my Bible, this guy, I can see this guy out of the corner of my eye coming up to me. And um, he's like, so I see you reading your Bible. And I was like, uh, yep, who are you? Uh, and before I could even get a conversation introduction going, he started pulling out the chair from in front of me and began to sit down. And he's like, I was wondering if you'd like to have a, just a conversation. I was like, all right, sure. Um, well, first of all, I'm Ryan. And uh, he was like, I'm Tim. And... Um, I think you can go to the next slide because you'll see that there's Tim, um, there's me and Branson during this time. And um, so Tim, um, Tim comes into my life and we begin um, meeting like usually once a week, like at Starbucks for a while. And so we finally started meeting in other friends' houses and homes. Um, Tim began going to Bible studies with me into church. Um, but there was something different about Tim. Um, as our friendship began to, to grow, and as I got to know this guy, um, he began to share with me some of his deepest, darkest, darkest secrets. Um, 
some of those things where he was abused as a child, um, where he didn't have any desire to play sports as a boy in high school. And so his dad would um, basically defriend him or um, I would say leave him basically because he had no desire to play sports. And so his dad was a huge sports guy. Um, Tim wasn't. And so as he tried out sports, he was like, this just isn't for me. Um, his dad kind of just ended a, a relationship, I guess, with him. Um, and so he shared some of those things. And then he also shared with me um, that he struggled with um, lusting after other men. And he's like, but, but it's not like I, I, I struggle all the time. It's just stuff that comes up every once in a while. Um, at the time, he was dating um, a girl. You can go to the next slide there. Yeah. So there's me and Vanessa. Um, there's Tim and his girlfriend at the time. And uh, so during this time, like Tim and I started developing a relationship. Gretchen and Vanessa um, kicked it off. When Vanessa would come visit me in Branson, she would actually stay at Gretchen's house. Um, so a cool relationship built there. But um, really what I want to, to dive into tonight is homosexuality, right? It's that for some reason, that word that makes us feel awkward. Um, as you can imagine, as Tim started sharing some of this stuff with me, I was like, oh gosh, I, 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 don't, I can't relate to that. I, I'm sorry, I've never had those feelings before, so I can't really give you any knowledge or wisdom as far as experience that I've had. Um, but it was kind of cool to see what took place as the months um, kind of went on. And so, first of all, I just want to clarify um, a couple things. Before I, I kind of get into this, um, you'll hear me say probably two or three times tonight, hopefully, and this will resonate through your mind. Um, to try to, I'm going to try to challenge you guys to get out of the mindset of homosexuality being an issue, and and realize that homosexual it, it it's not about the issue, but it's really about the heart of the person that was made in the image of God. Um, they're still a person if they battle. Or have uh, or know someone that, that is going through sexuality, homosexuality. Um, Tim changed my whole perspective on homosexuality. So as Tim and I began to read through scripture, um, it was actually pretty cool to see how God was not only transforming Tim's life, but transforming mine as well. Um, so first things first, um, before I even dive into the topic, I think it's. It's clear that we, we need to go back a step further. Um, and with that, I, I started actually, as I, I look back and I'm like, where did Tim and I actually start like in Scripture? As We, we didn't just jump right in and go like, okay, we're going to go to all the, the Scripture on homosexuality. Like, we actually had to back up. Um, and where we backed up is actually in Romans um, 3. And I gave you guys basically all the Scripture on your little note cards, so you guys really don't have to take notes. Um, what I just want you guys to do is just listen, um, it, but also follow along in your Bible as well. So Romans 3, 23 and 24 is where we started. Um, and so it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and just are justified freely by his grace, the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Um, so the first thing that Tim and I kind of discussed was, what's that say? It says all have sinned. Um, so not just not just a certain kind of people. Not just me, not just this person over here, but all. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Um, and then we moved into Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while I was still a sinner living a sin-filled life, Christ died for me. And we moved into Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, again, the wages of sin is death. And so if, if I continue to live a sinful lifestyle without ever giving my life to Christ, it leads to death spiritually and separation from God. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Now for Tim, this verse was hard for him to accept, as you can imagine. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So a lot of Tim and I's discussion that took place outside of studying the Word. Um, you know, there, there would be times where I would be in Tim's car and we would just drive around town talking about numerous different issues. Um, and, and one of these issues that Tim had was, what if I'm this way for the rest of my life? Was that God's plan? Right? And so it, it, it's wrestling with those discussions with them to be like, well, it possibly could be. His plan for that. And are you ready for that? Are, are you willing to still accept that and pursue Christ, although you still deal with the temptation and struggle of lusting after other men? And I'll tell you what changed my perspective. As I start dialoguing with Tim, I realized that we're a lot alike. I don't struggle the same way that he does as far as lusting after another man. But I struggle the same way of lusting after another woman. So I could relate with him when he was telling me like this thought creeps into my mind and then it leads to this and then this happens. And I was like, dude, I'm following you. I, I get it. I understand what you're going through. But if I, if I would have just gave up on Tim, it would have never got to that point. And the Lord wouldn't have even been able to transform my perception of sin in general. So then we move to 10, Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So the next thing that Tim and I discussed was are we really saved? Are we saved? Have we confessed to the Lord and accepted him into our life? And do we want to live and submit to God in that way? And we both agreed. And so, before I could even dive into scripture about homosexuality, Tim and I had to make it clear to ourselves that his sin is no different than my sin. According to scripture, his sin is no different than my sin. His struggle with homosexuality is no different than my struggle with lusting after another woman. Period. Both are a sin according to a biblical point of view, and both require a great deal of trust and reliance on God. So if you don't believe me, I want to hone in on, on, on one um, big piece of scripture here. It's 1 Corinthians 6.9. One of my favorite verses when I get into a dialogue talking about homosexuality with someone. And it's Paul talking here to the Corinthians 
6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So as Tim and I are going through this text, I say, listen, Tim, um, your sin is no different than the male prostitute, than the thief, than the greedy person, than the alcoholic. Then the slanderers, the swindlers, your sin's no different. It's all categorized in the same category. It's not separated. And I think for, for a long time, it took the both of us a while to realize that we had put homosexuality apart from other sin. And so we, for some reason, had put this, this pedestal of like, here's homosexuality and here's all other sin over here. But homosexuality is by itself. But scripture makes it clear that homosexuality is no different than these other sins that were just listed. And look at what Paul says. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what Paul is saying is, listen, some of you guys were homosexuals. Some of you guys were adulterers. Some of you guys were adulterers. Some of you guys were thieves. But now, you've been washed and you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look with me in, in verse 18. Okay, It says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know... That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own, you are bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. So, basically what's happening here is, we're seeing homosexuality lumped into the rest of these other sins that we all struggle with. Right? Turn with me to Romans 1, 18-32. For time's sake, I'm not going to go through it all, um, but I challenge you guys to read that entire verse or that entire passage of Scripture. Um, Paul is actually addressing a Gentile crowd, the Romans, and uh, he basically goes through, breaks down little bit by little bit of, of man's rebellion against God and what happens to that. But what I really want you guys to see is in verse 24, and it says, Therefore... God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served creative things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So here's what's happening. During that time, and who Paul's addressing here is, these guys have basically said, you know what, God? Forget you. We're not going to serve you, but we're going to live and love the things that you've created. And God's response is, all right, if that, that's what you want, that's cool. And then in 26, here's his response. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. 
I don't want you guys to miss this. The judgment against homosexuality should never be read apart from its letter. Okay? As we're reading through Romans, and we just covered all those verses. I took it through like the little Romans road, right? Homosexuality should never be set apart or separated into its own category of sin. And sometimes I think we put other issues or sins, if you will, above others. And scripture here makes it clear that it's no greater over another. So there, here's a lie that I believe for so long. And, and maybe it's not a lie. Maybe it's like half a lie, which then makes it a lie, right? Um, I think uh, growing up in church, I kept hearing this like, you hear people talk about getting saved all the time. Oh, when you get saved, everything's good. You got Jesus. Um, and so I began to believe that. Until finally, what happens? Not everything's good all the time, right? So I, I accept Jesus, and then I run into my first obstacle, and I'm like, what, God? What's up with that? I'm saved now. I thought, let me put it another way. Being in Nebraska it might sound something like this. If you don't drink, if you don't watch R-rated movies, if you don't have premarital sex, if you don't use profanity, you're clean. And you're righteous. But the reality is, when I became a believer, I found things that were very easy to give up to God. And then I found things that were very hard for me to give up to God. It was easy for me to give up profanity. It was just, that was something that I, I overcame, it seemed like, like that. Um, but still to this day, there's things that I, I struggle with giving up to God. I've been a Christian for 15 plus years. And I'm not perfect. I never will be perfect. And I think that's the lie that I want you guys to know is a lie. Is that on this earth, you will never get to a place where you're free from sin. You won't. It's impossible. On the issue of homosexuality, this can be something that a person struggles with for a long time. But that doesn't make them less of a Christian or set apart from the rest of us. Point number two is what I have there on your thing. It says, the law was given to us to show us that we can't keep it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was in kindergarten, um, back in my, which was kind of weird because I think back to like my public school and I actually had this. Um, but they have the Ten Commandments up on the wall. And um, it was, as a kindergartner, it was easy for me to understand the Ten Commandments. Okay, I'm, I'm not supposed to steal. I'm not supposed to say the Lord's name in vain. I, I'm not supposed to murder. That's easy. You know, like, I understood these things as a kindergartner. But the Ten Commandments and the commandments of Scripture were made to reveal to me the need for a Savior. Because here's the thing. If you look at the Ten Commandments, I think we break them all the time. Right? There's not one of us in this room that can sit here and say, No, I'm good. I, I think I got them all. Somebody might be saying in here, yeah, like, hey, I, I haven't murdered anyone. Um, but Jesus goes a step further in the New Testament. And he says, if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder. So that pretty much puts us all at rest, Right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so the commands of God are not to rob me of my joy, but to lead me into the fullness of joy. Hear me on this. 
as we get into the dating series, a lot of you are going to be like, well, how far is too far? And, and how do I know? Like, and you're going to ask all these questions and, and we're going to tell you from a scripture and from a biblical standpoint, and you're going to be like, oh, well, that just stinks. You're going to think that the com- some commands of God stink. I mean, if you're like me in high school, I didn't have sex with a girl because I knew that scripture said not to have sex with a girl. But really, like, it shouldn't have been that I didn't want to have sex with a girl because scripture says that. It should be because I knew that God wanted to lead me in the fullness of joy. And he knew that later on, when I get married someday, God's going to bless that. And I won't have to deal with the grief with all my baggage behind me. Sometimes God leads us through some things to show us some things. And the situation with Tim, he battled and still battles those temptations um, today that he began with when we talked. The only difference is that he doesn't act on those temptations because he wants God over that temptation. Um, Wesley Hill, I've been reading this book. Um, If you guys want a book to read on homosexuality and a biblical standpoint, I would encourage you to get this. Um, It's on your resource down there. Um, It's by Wesley Hill. Wash and waiting. Um, I'm going to quote him here and it says, On his struggle with homosexuality, he says, In the end, what keeps me on the path I've chosen is not so much individual proof text from Scripture. So he's saying, in the end, what, what keeps me from pursuing God is not what the Scripture says, which it, it has a weight on it, but he says, or the sheer weight of the church's Christian or traditional teaching against homosexual practice. Instead, it is, I think, those texts and traditions and teachings as I see them from within the true story of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And the whole perspective on life in the world that flows from that story as expressed definitely in Scripture. So what he's saying is the reason why I choose to abstain from sexual immorality or homosexuality is not because these little pieces of Scripture in here that I find tell me not to, but I understand what this is about. And I understand that Christ died for me and He has called me to live a life abstinent. And that's what He chooses to do. So when it comes to issues such as abortion, homosexuality, suicide, I've got a question for you guys. Are you trying to win the heart or are you trying to do it through action? Here's what I mean by that. When you're in a dialogue or you're in a conversation with someone or you run into someone like Tim, are you trying to walk them through Scripture and allow them to make their own decision or are you beating them over the head with the Word? Because I tell you there's a huge difference. No one's going to listen to you if you're like, well, the Bible says so, so that's why it's wrong. I'm pretty sure they probably already know that. Our church, the church today has done a good job, whether we would like to admit it or not, uh, of making homosexuals look bad. We've, we've got churches that go to 
picket things that says God hates gays and God hates homosexuals. So that whether whether we want to admit it or not, the church has done a pretty good job of, of making us look like we're, we're the bad ones. Um, but towards the end of, of my departure with Tim, I realized something very important about my whole experience. Um, I just spent 10 months with this guy, um, a brother in Christ, who wasn't afraid to admit his struggles. And, and, and sometimes it was awkward. Sometimes I didn't know what to say. Sometimes I, I really didn't feel like I was a help at all. But I feel like for Tim, it was an enormous step in a direction of restoration and healing. Excuse me, in his life, in his relationship with God. And through... Now, now I really need your attention because I, I might get fired up about this. Um, so I apologize if I get kind of loud. I, I might just lose this. Um, but through Tim's experience, I was ashamed and I was appalled and disgusted that the church and others who called themselves Christians had pushed him away from his struggle with homosexuality. See, the thing with Tim is that he, he tried to reach out numerous times to the church and to other people about his struggle. And as soon as they found out about it, they were gone. Out of his life. So if you are in this room tonight and you struggle with homosexuality or you know someone who has and has been pushed away from the church or has given the church and Christians a bad name in Jesus Christ, can I, can I tell you tonight, I'm sorry, on behalf of those people, sincerely, be, because that's not what the church is. Also, if you were in this room tonight and you have made fun of someone who struggles with homosexuality, shame on you. Because your sin is no different than theirs. In fact, in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, All of your righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. Think about that. So if you think that you're more righteous than someone else, you better think again. Because God says, Your sin is the same sin as, as that person. Who are you to judge that person? In fact, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed for you in the church that you would represent Christ in that way. If you are in that person. If you are that person. And, and if you have been that person, I challenge you to, one, repent and pray and ask God for forgiveness. But two, to go reconcile that relationship of that person that you've been making fun of. Because that's not what the church is about. In Matthew twenty four thirty seven, it says, When asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus responds, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is standing um, with a crowd in John 8, 1 through 11. And it says, Jesus is asked by teachers of the law and the Pharisees, what do we do with this woman who is caught in adultery? You guys remember that story? 
And Jesus responds, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus later goes on to ask the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she responds, no, sir. And Jesus' last words, listen, listen to Jesus' words here. Did Jesus address the sin in her life? He says, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. So he doesn't even say to her, why, why, have you been, why have you been sleeping around? He doesn't say slut. He doesn't say whore. He doesn't say any of those other words that we give people. But he meets her where she's at. And I, I think this moves into my last point where as, as the church, I think sometimes we, we hear the saying, Hate the sin, but love the sinner, right? Have you all heard that? I hate it. I, I hate hearing that because, and Tim will tell you this too as he expressed it to me. You know what you're actually saying to him? You're actually saying, hey, I hate what you do, but I love you, man. What? You, you hate what I, I do, but you, how does that work? Is that what we saw Jesus do in, in John 8? It doesn't make any sense. So here's my challenge to you. If you really love someone, you don't make a big deal about what they are doing because you realize you ride in the same boat as that individual. Listen, it it took me 10 months of building a relationship with Tim that followed me to see that, that allowed me to see that my sin is no different than his. God grew my heart through that experience to show me that he sees every division... Every individual living in sin, including myself, the same. However, in Romans, Paul addresses something that I want to address real quick too. And this doesn't mean that we live a life of sin or continue to live in it. It means if our lives contradict scripture, then it needs to change. So if I'm living a life of sin, or I'm living a life of adultery, it contradicts Scripture. If I'm living a life of drunkenness, it contradicts Scripture. If I'm living a life of homosexuality, it contradicts Scripture. And it, the Lord asked me to rid myself of that. As a Christian, my heart breaks daily for God's creation. Because I have family, I have friends, I have co-workers who are all living in homosexuality, who are living in drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and who will make fun of me and blaspheme me to my face while I'm at work. But if you guys haven't heard anything tonight, hear this. How I respond to those people will determine if I truly understand what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving my neighbor as myself. Let me say that again. How I respond to those people who are struggling with homosexuality, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, 
living a life apart from God, how I respond to those people will determine if I truly understand what it means to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. Um, Lord, for your word, for your, um, your truth. And Father, as much as it hurts sometimes to read scripture that convicts us, that challenges us, um, Father, my prayer would be that we would desire to live lives that run parallel to your truth and your word. And Lord, more importantly, I pray that as we go back into our schools, Lord, and we see the the homosexual, we see the pregnant girl, Lord, we, we see the person that cuts themselves, we see the person that in our mind and our eyes makes us feel awkward to approach. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the strength, Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the knowledge of how to approach that person and how to do it out of genuine love that only you can give us. So Father, I pray tonight, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has been wronged or hurt by the church or by other Christians because of the sin that they've committed or lived in, Father, first and foremost, I pray... um, Lord, that they would, they would give it a second chance and they would, they would come to someone here tonight and allow us to just meet them where they're at. And, and second of all, Lord, I pray that they would have enough courage to ask someone to, to hold them accountable and to live a life worthy of the life that you gave and you lived. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for... Just this topic, Lord, thank you for Tim. I thank you for just that friendship and that relationship that you created. And Lord, I pray the same prayer that I had prayed over me, Lord, that everyone in this room would be given the opportunity to befriend a homosexual. Because as awkward and as difficult and as um, unclear as it may seem at times, Lord... It was in that time that I grew closer to you and, and I grew the most. So, Lord, thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for allowing me, Lord, to be shown my sin and to be shown my need for a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Stop this. Turn it off. It's gotta be hold. The hold is on the uh, You can't mess it up. Just put the hold down.